The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series by Mercedes Lackey and Steve Libby, presenting Book Two, The Hunt. Gravity, written by Steve Libby, read by Veronica Jaguer. The Echo Van sped over the center lane of the street, dodging the fenders of cars that didn't make way in time. Bloody owl! Bloody bitter, sweaty, stinking owl! The British expatriate who called himself Corby flexed his lush black wings. There's a reason I was on airborne recon, right? It's because my wings don't fit into these vans. As if to demonstrate, Corby's wings buffeted Handsome Devil's head. Ack! Yeah, he's right! He belongs in the sky where he can't clobber me. Both of you, shut up. Matai kept his eyes on the road. When I told them we didn't want to babysit any Mach 1s, I was referring to combat, not whining from the back seat. He touched me, Handsome Devil said with a smirk. Make him stop. Christ, shut up! I just swallowed a feather. It's unsanitary. This from a bloke who looks like he crawled out of a sulfurous pit. Corby crossed his arms and scowled. In the middle seats, Shakti turned and glared at Devil and Corby. Her dark face darkened further with approbation. No words were needed. Okay, okay, Devil muttered. Corby blew air out his cheeks and rolled his eyes. Motu straightened his massive body from hunching over a GPS. Our looters are two blocks away on the right. His brother stomped on the accelerator. The engine responded with a higher-pitched whine. Non-lethal rounds, Matai called back over his shoulder. Shoot only if necessary. No powers unless the situation demands it. We aren't schoolboys, mate. Mark ones get riot training, too, don't they? Metal clattered as Corby, Devil, and Shakti loaded their pistols with the pancake rounds. Einhorn, the damage control officer, sipped at her water bottle with elegant unconcern. With her white gown and flowing tresses, she appeared to be out for an evening at the symphony, instead of suppressing unrest. Her serenity and calm contrasted Shakti's workmanlike seriousness while on the job. It was ironic that the food riot in question raged just half a mile from Fort McPherson. A contingent of Thulians had stormed through the base on their way to attack Echo, and left a trail of flattened bunkers, overturned tanks, and toppled artillery in their wake. Soldiers died by the scores before the Nazis had moved on, and the base commanders had organized a counterattack. A column of inky smoke rose above the shopping center. The van drew close enough for the rioters at its base to become visible. Hundreds of people dashed in and out of a big-box retail store, whose triumphant blue sign had been shattered by thrown bricks. Cars sped away from the parking lot, wild and unconstrained, as if the act of theft had repealed traffic laws as well. Matai jerked on the wheel to avoid a Range Rover barreling towards them. "'Thank you. Come again,' Handsome Devil muttered. Today's food riot would be the third he had been called in to disperse. At first he resented the duty, thinking it was the province of the Atlanta Police Department. 
but then he had seen the effect he and the other metahumans had on a rampaging crowd. The intimidation factor of a red-skinned man with a gun, or, for that matter, a four-armed woman, a man with immense black wings, or a ten-foot-tall giant composed of the very sidewalk itself, was a hundredfold that of mere mortals in riot gear. The previous food riot had ended in less than five minutes. And so Echo had organized this ad hoc squad to be their riot buster. The van ground to a halt at the fringe of the crowd. The Springdale Shopping Center had the temporary non-committal air of a strip of land infested by speculative retail developers. The buildings abutted a steaming hot parking lot in need of repair. Aside from the besieged Paymart, the other stores had desultory plastic sides tacked onto the faux brick facade. The cheap, transient nature of the plaza seemed to downplay the fact that destroying the stores was, in fact, a crime. The looters themselves seemed to be the same people who patronized the stores legally in less chaotic times. Children scampered around their parents, waving stolen toys. The adults had loaded up shopping carts with their loot. The only differences from a typical day of shopping were the furtive hunched postures and the flames licking up the sides of the smaller stores. Matthias scanned the plaza with binoculars. Paymart's taken a beating. Looks like they're burning the wicker store. Can't fault them for taste, Devil said. The owners of the nail salon with baseball bats are making a stand. We're going to want to concentrate. He was interrupted by the hiss of the van's radio and the distorted voice of the dispatcher. Squad 16, report location. Matai snatched the headset. On site, ready to move in. Belay that. White noise filled the van as the dispatcher paused. Sending new coordinates now. But we just got here, Devil blurted out. What's she talking about? Metahuman incursion, Atlanta Expo Center, threat category, Mach 3. Proceed at once. The transmission had an air of desperation. Operative down. Matai turned to look back at the rest of the van, alarm on his face. That's a negative, HQ. We only have one Mach 2 combatant. The rest of us are ones. DCO and me. I said operative down, Matai. We don't have anyone else available. I'll send him back up on the food riot. Out. Silence. The mood in the van turned grim. A metahuman threat could rate anywhere from a mere Mach 1 equivalent to a full-blown Mach 3. In the last week since the invasion, Echo had encountered such incidents in record numbers. It was as if those metas who chose not to abide the law agreed that the invasion was the excuse to finally cut loose. Operative down meant that the Mach 3 class perpetrator had drawn blood. Echo blood. Call it back, Corby said. Call it bloody back. This is mad. Matai set his jaw and set the van into reverse. Orders are orders. He flipped a switch. Blue light doused the cabin as the siren began to wail. So much for the element of the surprise, Devil said. I'd rather have intimidation on our side. Come on, get out of the way! Pedestrians dove for cover as the van sailed through an intersection, horn blaring. Within minutes, they reached the vicinity of the Expo Center. 
sleek, wildly overpriced sports cars of all colors line the concourse. Lamborghinis and Porsches, modded lowriders and hybrid prototypes. Banners hanging from lampposts declared that the 2004 International Luxury Auto Show had opened, and now its attendees streamed out of the square in droves. Devil followed the fearful looks back towards the entrance. There, framed by a ragged hole in the sweeping glass facade of the building, stood a ten-foot-tall shirtless man with a hummer balanced on his shoulder. His blue jogging pants stretched to the limit to accommodate his bulging legs. His once-oversized hip-hop t-shirt had ripped in several places, but still hung on his frame, thanks to the fashion trends at the time. Pale and pimply, with a dim look of excitement on his face, he appeared to be an inflated white suburban teenager. "'That's our looter,' Devil said, pointing. "'Criminy,' Corby said. "'And there's his hostage,' Einhorn said. "'Hold your fire, okay?' Oh, hell, Matthias snarled. A lithe blonde in a skimpy, logo-adorned bikini clung to the door of the Hummer, her heavily made-up face contorted in an endless scream of desperation. Corby shook his head slowly. Bloody Americans. That's got to be the most undignified metacriminal I've ever seen. Was he bitten by a radioactive rapper? More likely they were the clothes he was wearing when he gained his powers, Motu said in a soft and serious tone. I was taking the piss, mate. Matai hit the brakes, the van squealed to a stop. As silly as he looks, he's a threat. Move out. Corby threw open the rear of the van and lifted himself into the air with a few ponderous flaps of his wings. The others spilled out onto the pavement with guns ready. Motu, armor up and confront. Einhorn, find our fallen colleague. Matai punctuated his orders with hand signals adapted from the military. Devil, Shakti, right flank. Corby, left. Hold your fire until the hostage is clear. Go! The Echo Meta stormed into the plaza. Civilians scattered in their path. Mothers pulled crying children out of the way. Teenagers gaped with excitement. Devil and Shakti vaulted over the hoods of flame-embellished hot rods. Front and center, Motu and Matai lumbered towards the massive metahuman. Motu began to absorb the asphalt and brickwork of the plaza up onto his form. Dedicational bricks sponsored by Atlanta families, bearing their names and messages of goodwill, churned around his shoulders and bloated his fists into battering rams. Damn, what the hell? The overgrown kid roared. His voice had been altered to a deep baritone, yet retain the careless elocution of youth. That ain't fair! Matai aimed his paintball gun with one hand. Echo Mach 2, Matai. Drop the Hummer and surrender peacefully. We are authorized to use extreme force. And I authorize myself! The Meta charged forward and kicked a nearby sports car like it was a soccer ball. With a crash of metal and glass, it sailed in the air towards Matai. He took two steps to the side without flinching. The car ruffled his hair as it sailed past him and smashed into a line of hybrids. I repeat, you're causing a safety hazard and damaging property. Stand down. I can fight you. All of you. He booted another car at Matai. Motu interposed himself and absorbed the impact, staggering but remaining upright. 
glass beads littered the pavement, interspersed with reeking gasoline. Give the bleeding order to fire, Matai, Corby said over the comm unit. It's like shooting the side of a barn. The woman in the Hummer pulled herself up out of the window. Please get me out of here. Please. I, I don't want to die. You're with me now, baby, the Meta said. I'm going to treat you so good. He leered at the woman. Christ, they don't pay me enough for this crap. She spat in his face. Pig. The Meta recoiled from the spittle. Gross. He wiped his face. Matai moved quickly. Hit him now! He opened fire with a round of paintball pellets that soaked the giant shirt with neon green and orange paint. Devil and Shakti took aim and unloaded their pistols, all five of them. Shakti fired hers in sequence so precisely that the barrage resembled a machine gun. Above, Corby emptied his rounds into the arm that held the Hummer and the bikini model. The non-lethal rounds bounced off his skin and rained upon the ground. Is that it? the giant said with a mocking laugh. No. Matai drew his sidearm. That was your last chance to surrender before we hurt you badly. Hold him, bro. Motu, now twelve feet of gray stone, wrapped his arms around the Meta's torso. Encumbered by the Hummer, the Meta swayed against Motu's weight. The woman screamed again. Corby! Evac! Matai shouted. Corby swooped in towards the Hummer. He landed on the Hummer's side panel, beating his broad wings against the humid air to keep his balance. The Meta pounded on Motu's head and shoulders with his free hand, balled into a mighty fist. Chunks of rock flew off the Simone and dashed against the Hummer. One shattered the window. Hold still. Corby stretched a hand out to the woman. She lurched forward and back. His hand caught the strap of her bikini and tore it off. Whoops! Sorry, love, he said. The model yelped and covered her exposed breast at the same time the Meta dropped to one knee. The Hummer tilted and threw her back inside. Corby took to the air again, only to open himself to the grasping hand of the Meta. Footlong fingers grasped his ribcage and squeezed the breath out of him. The Meta began to pummel Mochu with Corby's writhing form. In two strikes, the winged hero had blacked out. Blood streamed from his face and onto the rocks on Motu's armor. Motu stood back and flailed helplessly to catch his unconscious comrade. The Meta tossed Corby aside and swung a fist into Motu's midsection. He rolled across the plaza like a snowball, picking up brickwork indiscriminately, until he came to a halt against a light post, a heap of debris, unmoving. Devil stared in disbelief. Oh, you've got to be kidding me, he said. Corby had landed near him. He and Einhorn reached the Brit at the same time. Corby's body had folded at an unnatural angle. Jesus, Devil said. Tell me he's not dead. Einhorn knelt by Corby. With perfect tears streaming from her eyes, she was a vision of tragic beauty. He had to drag his eyes away from her damp cheeks into Corby's bloody wreck of a face. I'll fix him, she said, meeting his gaze. I can't bear to see him suffer like this. Oh, God. Devil put a hand on her delicate shoulder. It's okay. It'll be okay. At that moment, all he wanted to do was comfort her, 
soothe her anxiety, stop the tears. Klaus! Shakti's voice cut through his reverie. Reload and fire! Right, right, he muttered, digging for bullets. Why had Einhorn distracted him so? He had to focus. He stepped out from between the cars to join Shakti and Matai in the center of the plaza. Both had loaded their sidearms with echo-caseless armor-piercing rounds. The giant metacrimital stared at the bloody broken wings of Corby and the shuddering ball of concrete that enclosed Motu. He pursed his lips, considering his handiwork. Damn, he said, nodding in satisfaction. I am bad. He ripped the door off the Hummer and fished the girl out by the arm. You see that? They ain't nothing to me. No one's gonna mess with me ever again. Ever. He brought the struggling woman in for a kiss. She pounded on his face as he slobbered on her. Devil screwed his face up in distaste. Ew. It's like high school gone horribly wrong. And now he has a human shield, Matai said. Devil, take the shot. Me? You're lucky, aren't you? Klaus blew imaginary smoke from the barrel of the gun. You bet. He took aim and fired at the metacriminal. The bullet tore a hole in the already stressed t-shirt as it ricocheted away. The meta continued to kiss the topless model. Enhanced strength and invulnerability. Why do they always seem to go together? Devil frowned and aimed again. Matai made him lower his weapon with a head shake. Without increased resilience, super-strong metas would shatter their bones and burst out of their own skin, he said. I figured that was the case. This is a hell of a standoff, then. We can't hurt him, so he goes ahead with his little make-out session. Shakti holstered her guns. She's buying us time. Until he wants more than a kiss. Matai started forward. I'm going in before he turns into a rapist. Wait. Shakti pointed with her upper left hand at one of Atlanta's ubiquitous construction sites. That development site may be the key to neutralizing him. Matai blinked. Hit him with a condo? No. The crane beside the building. We will topple it onto the target. The freestanding crane to which she referred towered over the ten-story condominium development. At present, it, along with the skeletal building, had been abandoned by the construction crews at the beginning of the incident. Ouch! Baby, remind me not to make you mad. He turned to Matai. We're going to need your little brother for this. Hold on, Matai said. How do you propose to aim a falling hundred-foot crane? Motu might be able to tip it over, but it's like chopping down a tree. You point it in a direction and hope for the best. Not to mention that he's bound to notice what we're up to. Devil glanced back at the meta, who was laughing as his hostage battled at his intrusive hands. Leave it to me. Just drop the crane on the van and I'll take care of the rest. Matai gave him a dubious look. Oh, really now? Yes, really. I'll need your DCO. 
Einhorn doesn't engage in combat situations. Think of it as more a negotiation. Devil spread his hands. Unless you want to call in and beg for another Mach 3. The Samoan locked eyes with him, something that would have petrified an ordinary man. At 300 pounds, Matai's physical strength was close to Klaus's enhanced strength. Certainly, the man hadn't become a Mach 2 merely because his brother needed a spotter while armored up with debris. Matai had smarts, speed, tactical training, and above all, charisma. Yet he didn't seem to want to accept that Mach 1s like Klaus and Shakti, and even the incapacitated Corby, could provide adequate support for his team. Not that the Fool Society had left him much choice. Make the call. Klaus stared him. Matai worked his jaw. No. We'll try your idea. What do you need from me? Heck, I don't know. Just get your brother to topple that sucker. You're the squad leader. Devil winked at him. Me? I'm just going to chat up our new recruit. Okay, I'll... What? Matai goggled at him as Devil strolled nonchalantly up to the immense metacriminal. Hey there. Excuse me, partner. Devil stood so that the metahuman's attention would be focused in the opposite direction of the crane and his cohorts. I'd like a word with you. Huh? What? Up close, the ridiculous faux gangster attire was utterly overwhelmed by the immensity of the meta's bulk. His arms were as wide as the man's chest, and proportionally longer than they should have been. Muscles contorted the fabric of the jogging suit, to the point where he resembled a comic book hero drawn by a precocious twelve-year-old. In fact, the wisp of a mustache on his upper lip suggested that he himself was not much older. A patina of rank sweat covered his pale skin. The woman in his hands gave Klaus a look of pure despair. Mind if I ask what you're doing? Kicking ass, the Meta said. So I see. The cops inside give you any trouble? Or our boy? A grin of idiotic triumph crossed his face. Yeah, not for long. These powers freaking rock. No doubt. Let me guess. Super strength and impenetrable skin? Uh-huh. I can squash a man's head like an egg. Really? You tried that out? The woman screamed again. The meta only chuckled. So much for rehabilitation, Klaus lamented. This kid's crossed the line. Wow. Klaus fished a business card out of his pocket and proffered it. My name's Handsome Devil. You can call me Klaus. The giant glanced at his outstretched hand and then plucked the card out of it. This little mess you made can be cleaned up with a few calls to the right people. Who cares? I'm invincible now. I can do anything I want. But won't you get tired of the constant fighting? What's the point of scoring babes? He nodded at the woman in his grip. If you can't get a moment of quiet to, uh, enjoy the companionship. The boy giant furrowed his brow in exaggerated, oversized contemplation. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But, dude, I mean, look at me. I used to be a skinny loser. Now I'm like a total metahuman hero. Devil held up a finger. Correction. 
villain. He gestured at the plaza, taking care not to turn the giant too far around. In the distance, he saw Motu at the base of the crane, drawing concrete and sand onto himself. Shakti scampered up the side like a spider, cutting cables with a discarded blowtorch. Well, that's cool, too. I ain't scared of nothing. Constant fighting, remember? You want to live in a cave or something? Oh. Yeah. Well, too late now, right? Not necessarily. As an Echo Mock, you would have cash in hand and babes in, uh, er, in abundance. Watch this. Klaus motioned for Einhorn to come over. She looked alarmed and shook her head. He whispered into the comm unit. Ein, baby, I need you on this one. Just play along. Reluctantly, Einhorn approached them. Strut it, for God's sake, Klaus hissed. This kid's thinking with his nads. Einhorn managed a few hip sways before reaching them. Uncertainly, she smiled as Klaus wrapped an overfamiliar arm around her slender waist. One of our damage control officers. Einhorn, meet... Shoot, kid, we don't even know your name. Brad, the big man said. Hi, Brad. Einhorn put her hand out, and Brad immediately took it in a rough shake. Einhorn and I have been hot and heavy ever since I joined Echo, Klaus said with a leer. Einhorn gasped, and he jabbed an elbow into her side. That whole comradeship on the battlefield thing? It's a total aphrodisiac, Brad. Plus, metahuman chicks are notoriously wild in the sack. Right, honey? Uh, right, Einhorn said, blushing. Devil pointed at the model. Your friend there is cute, but once you've had a meta, you can't go back. Why don't you put her down and let me see what I can do to get you a gig with us? Dude, seriously? Sure. You've got the chops. No one can deny that. A little training, a bit of whitewash on this messy incident. Tesla's got City Hall and the APD eating out of his hands, trust me. And you're making six figures plus product endorsements. Oh, yeah! Brad's eyes sparkled. He dropped the model who fell to her knees. Scram, baby, the devil said to her. We got matters to discuss. The woman looked up at him, confused. He mouthed the word run to her with an expression of profound urgency. She staggered back into the expo center. Brad, my man, let's head over to the van and radio Tesla right now. Without waiting for confirmation, Devil guided Einhorn away. He gave her rear a very blatant squeeze. Hey, she whispered. Was that necessary? Hey, if Brad's staring at your ass, he won't be watching for falling construction equipment. Close your eyes and think of England, yeah? You're enjoying this. Only till Shakti finds out. He opened the van door. Now glue yourself to me if you want to survive this. Brad's footsteps shook the ground below them. Nice wheels. Thanks. Devil risked a glance at the crane. Motu had wedged himself halfway up the height of the tower, and the latticework of the building melted into him like steel umbilical cords and suspended him while he pushed the grain outward with his legs. Below, Matai and Shakti had tied mooring lines to a bulldozer. 
So, Brad, we should come out with all guns blazing, you know? Tesla's not going to be impressed if I tell him we met a metahuman named Brad. I think he needs a call sign, don't you, Ein? Einhorn wagged her head. Oh, yes. Something manly. All right. Devil rolled his eyes. I'm thinking it should say power. How about Captain Power? Brad shook his thick head. That's dumb. Power Blast. No, Power Baller. You sound like a lottery ticket. Devil perked up as a metallic groan resonated off the buildings surrounding the plaza. Power Loader. Power Thrust, Einhorn said. Devil stared at her. You're joking. Well, it's manly, isn't it? The bulldozer roared to life in the distance, but Brad paid no attention. Damn, names are hard. This is going to stay with me for the rest of my life, right? You could say that. Devil pulled Einhorn close to him and took a few steps away from the van. What about Mega something? Brad nodded with a thoughtful look, making his face even more youthful. Devil's heart constricted. Brad, question, how old are you? How old do you gotta be to get into Echo? Eighteen, Devil lied. Oh man, I'm nineteen, sweet. An immense shadow loomed over them. Devil dragged Einhorn down to the pavement and wrapped his arms around her. A scream welled up in her throat, but the rush of air drowned it out. With the sound of a thousand bombs... The crane crashed down around them. Metal shrieked and tore through asphalt. Girders crushed the echo van like it was cardboard. Shrapnel bounced against handsome devil in Einhorn's uniforms, exciting the nanowave to the density of steel. Even with that protection, shards of metal and stone cut at their exposed flesh. The roar of the collapse seemed to last for a full minute of sheer immense kinetic force. When it was over, devil opened his eyes. He and Einhorn crouched in the gap as the lattice of the crane, unharmed but for scrapes and cuts. Dust clogged their noses and mouths. Devil coughed. Who needs a Mach 3, right? He helped Einhorn to her feet. Her hands went to her mouth. Oh, Jesus. Brad hadn't been as lucky as Handsome Devil. The intersection of two girders had caught him directly in the back. He blinked at them, still alive, but his limbs were sickeningly motionless. Blood dripped from his mouth. Klaus, I can't feel my legs. The giant teenager gasped out the words. Einhorn laid a hand on his neck and then his back. She shook her head sadly, tears in her eyes, perfect once again. Klaus brushed dust from his jacket. Sorry, kid. I don't think you got the job. He clambered over the demolished crane until Shakti found him and enveloped him in her arms. Madman, she said in his ear, her voice thick with concern and love. Klaus held her close and ignored his howling conscience.
wait is over. The first book of Steve Livy's Aquapura trilogy is available now from Subatomic Books. Meet Crixus Oran, a plumber on an epic odyssey of redemption through an ancient world. Want to try before you buy? Listen to the free audiobook or download the free ebook or subscribe to a chapter a day through your email. Log on to www.aquapuratrilogy.com for more information. Echo is hiring. Log on to www.echometahumans.com and join the Echo Mock Street team. Your mission? Spread the word about the Secret World Chronicle.